Didn't want to go too far and then find out nobody could hear me. How's everyone doing? You survived Thanksgiving. How many of you fin- had to finish raking leaves for the however many time this week? Oh my word, it just seems like they never want to end. But thanks the Lord, we made it through. And we're entering into the season of Christmas, the time where we get to celebrate light coming into the darkness, bringing life, bringing salvation, bringing hope, taking care of our sin. We are just so grateful. I always love this time of year, and I was just really pleased that Pastor Dave asked if I wanted to share this morning, and I said I would gladly do that. So I am your, I'm Jeff, if you don't know me. I'm actually an itinerant minister. I uh, fill in pulpits from time to time um, across the state, and for once in a while, uh, Dave asked me to speak here, so I appreciate that. But uh, I just want to open in a word of prayer, then we're going to just jump into what the Lord has laid on my heart. Lord, we are just so grateful, and Lord, we do need you. We need you in this day. We need you in this hour. We need you every day that we can have life that you've designed for us, that we can have life abundantly, but that we can also be anointed to bring your message of hope to this world, that people can see that there is a God that is alive and well, and he has great things in store for those that follow him. We just thank you for this time in your word that it will not return void, but that it will accomplish what you've set it forth to do. We give you thanks and praise, and just thank you that you will be with us now and forevermore. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are parents? How many of you are parents of adult children? Uh, You know, I have an adult child here, and so hopefully I don't say anything that gets him embarrassed or upset with me. But anyway, no. With parents of adult children, it's different than when you have parents of little kids. Little kids you can kind of control their world a little bit, right? You know, you, you al- what you decide you allow in the house, where you allow the kids to go. But there's something else when they begin to branch out and they're living life for themselves, where they go off to college, they're uh, traveling across the nation, they're living life, and, and you've, you hope you've trained them up in the ways of the Lord. You're sending them out to do what God has called them to do. But then you get that phone call. I got a flat tire. Okay, you're in Boston. I'm in Kalamazoo. How, what do you, what do you want from us? (laughs) What do I do? Well, you probably need to call somebody to help you. You call tow truck, call, you know, service, what, uh, you know, you get those calls and there's nothing worse when you know there is nothing physically you can do. You know, all you can do is encourage and trust the Lord, right? And sometimes we we even in life, we come up against situations where it's almost like, what do I do? I have nowhere else to turn. God, I need you. (laughs) Or how about the the passage? You know, here we are. We've been studying in the book of of, uh, Colossians. And in this book, you have Paul, who is sitting, he's been arrested, he's in jail, he's writing this letter, he's hearing things that's happening to the church in Colossae, and he's, he's concerned for them, but he's under imprisonment, he can't leave, there's nothing physically he can go and do. But he knows he's going to use the gifts that God's placed in him, and he's going to share some words of encouragement to this church, 
that's going through difficult times. And we'll, we'll look at a little bit about this, but when you see those things, sometimes all we can do is encourage one another, get into the word of God, get into his presence, allow him to fill us up when we're facing those situations. And we can encourage that to our kids, but we can encourage that to one another. You know, here you have this situation. Paul, like I said, he's away from the church. There's situations that they're facing. But you know, today, when we, we're going to begin uh, Colossians chapter 2, and I hope that there's a few things that you get out of this that it encourages you in your walk with the Lord. In Colossians 2, starting with verse 1, it says, uh, now I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining all the riches of the full assurance of the understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone deceive you with persuasive words. <clears throat> Excuse me. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith, faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So here we are, Paul, the spiritual father. And there, he, he refers to two churches here. He's referring to the church of, of Colossae, but also to the church of Laodicea. They were in close proximity. Less than 10 miles separated these two churches. So he intended this letter not only to be read in, to the church in Colossae, but also to the church in Laodicea. He was addressing them. They were all facing some of the similar uh, situations in their life. And he was concerned about their spiritual well-being while he's apart from them. There are people here he's even addressing that he had not physically been able to meet. He, it's believed he probably visited this region on his third missionary journey. But there were people that had been added to the church that God had miraculously saved and delivered that had not met him. And he was addressing them as well. He wanted them to realize he had care for each and every person that was in this church. And these believers were meeting in their homes, worshiping God, having home churches in small groups and encouraging one another. We read actually in the next chapter in Colossians 3, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. They were, he was encouraging them, continue in what you're doing. Encourage each other. Don't just sit back because I'm not there. Continue in what you've been taught and make sure that you're not allowing other people that are going through a, a tough time to feel like they're going through it them, by themselves, but encouraging them in the word, encouraging them with, in work, during times of worship, allowing God to, to minister through each of us to one another. This area that these churches were 
settled in was a very affluent area. This was on a very major trade route. And so both towns were quite well-to-do for themselves, but also this area was prone to earthquakes. One of the things that's interesting, whether it happened before this letter or shortly after this letter, in the early 60s AD, there was a major earthquake that actually hit the city of Colossae basically wrecking the entire town. But this city had so much affluence, they were able to completely rebuild without seeking aid from Rome. Think about if a major disaster hit Kalamazoo or Portage today. We'd be going to every government agency we could get help from, right? You know, we don't have the wealth sitting right here to turn around and rebuild without asking for help. These guys had so much going on, they were able to rebuild. That's quite an amazing time. But you know also what comes sometimes with that much affluence? Debauchery, things that are just unclean. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that just happened, um, the worldly influence. But also, not only were they facing situations like that, there was also persecutions that were beginning to arise in that area, both from Rome and then from um, the the uh, practicing Jews that were against the church or some that had come to Christ but were trying to bring legalism in. There are worldly influences trying to have them indulge in the flesh. They were dealing with other false teachings that were going around, trying to steal the word of God. So as we break down this passage, we're going to kind of hop back and forth in it because I kind of put it in a way that fits my where I was going today, but it all says the same thing. So if you notice we jump around a little bit, it's okay, right? Okay, just make sure we're all on the same page. But today I just want to look at the four Ps that Paul was seeking to give the guidance to these churches, and I believe also to us, as we look to find our stability in Christ. Our stability is not in who we are as a person. It's not in our pedigree of our, our family heritage. Even though it's incredible if, you're ever, ever, if you are ever able to go and look up things about your family and find out where you came from, maybe where you're, you know, um, where you, the country you came from, some of the things that happened along the way. Um, I've had that privilege to go and actually find out some of both sides of my, on my dad's side, my mom's side, and actually stand where my grand, my great, 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 I believe it is, grandfather fought in the Civil War, and to stand in the very place where he was stationed. Actually, my son and I did that on his senior trip. But to, to see some of those things, it brought it alive to me. But I think, too, when we get into this situation, when we begin to apply the word, not just hear it, but it, allow it to get inside of us and start applying it, it becomes so real to us. And I'm hoping that we find our stability in what Christ has done for us. So first of all, the first P I want us to look at is know our position. These people were going through some situation, but one of the things he brings back to um, there, he, he says, in verse 6, he says, you have received from Christ the Lord, so walk in him. You have come to faith in Christ, but it's not just about just believing. It's about walking this out and doing a daily uh, representation of that, that it's not just a Sunday morning thing. It is a lifestyle. It is allowing the fullness of Christ to be flowing through because this, the world 
There was all sorts of other things being propelled. There was worship of the emperor. There were worship to false gods. But the worship of the living, true God is a walked-out relationship with him. We see those that have received Christ, it's, it's taking that what we believe from John 3.16, that if we believe that you know, Jesus has come, we have eternal life. And that he came, that the world would be saved through him. He wanted, he didn't, his will was that none should perish, but all would have everlasting life. But sometimes we don't always live that out. We don't even realize our position that we went from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun, into the kingdom of light, that we were transformed, we were renewed, we were born again. That we no longer are who we used to be. You might have come from a horrible background. You do not have to repeat the horribleness. As a new creation in Christ, you have a new life, a new destiny, a new purpose because of what Christ is doing in you now and wants to do in you in the future. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us in verse 17, he says, If anyone is Christ in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all the things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Our position is we have been reconciled to Christ, but now we got to go find others and reconcile them to Christ and help them see what it means to live a life with Christ in relationship with him. Too often we wait for the world to come to us. We go to where they are. We go to where the sick are. We go to where the lost are. We work with them. We go out to lunch and there's lost people around us. Let's take the ministry of reconciliation with us daily into the marketplace, going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Not just here in Portage, Michigan, in this, in this building on a Sunday morning. No, our lives should be sharing of the goodness of who Christ is and what he has done and what he has set us free from. Skipping on down a few verses, he says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was, were pleading through us. As if God was pleading, come to know me by you and I. You say, well, isn't that just for pastors? No. You and I, if we're in relationship with Christ, God is making that pleading to everyone we come to. Know me. Come to me. I love you. My son died for you. We are an ambassador. We are on his representation to bring a powerful message that all who can, will call on the name of the Lord can be saved. Not who joins this church or any other church. Those who call on the name of the Lord, call on Jesus, can be saved. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is why when we start realizing Christ in us, we read this last week, Christ in us is the hope of glory, the hope of life after death, the hope of salvation. That's the hope of glory, of who Christ is. That is in us because Christ is in us. Do people see you? They see hope. 
when they see you, they see joy. They see peace, even when you're facing difficulties. He's telling this church, you're going through tough times, but they need to see Christ in you and through you. But not only is he in you, we need to continue to live in him. It's not just what happened that, that one time when you said the prayer, you asked Christ into your life. For me, it was in 1974 in Sunbury, Ohio, at the Church of Christ, right in the center of town. We were there one Sunday, and I was a young kid, and I asked my dad, can I go get saved? He says, you're too young. And I said, would I go to heaven or would I go to hell if I died? He goes, come with me. And he led me down front, and I prayed the prayer. I got baptized that day, because in that church, you, as soon as you said the prayer, you got wet. But anyway... <laughs> But it was one of those things I, to this day, remember my heart's crying out saying, I want to know Jesus. But it's more than just what happened in 74. It's what's happening today. Am I continuing to walk in him, in relationship with him? Do people see that evidence through me? Because Acts 17, 28 tells us that it's in him we live, we move, we have our being. It's not in sports, it's not in, in affluence, it's not in the cars we drive, it's not the place we live. It's in Christ that we move, we live, and we have our being. Those other things can change. All it takes is a, oh, sudden job loss. Oh, bye-bye house, bye-bye toys. All it takes is a, a sickness. All it takes is a few things, and life can change. But do we still realize that it's in him that we live, we move, we have being, we have purpose? Because even if we're going through the worst pit of despair, Christ is with us, and he brings hope, and he brings us through. First, first Peter 2 tells us this way. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So when we celebrate this season about the light of the world coming in, he dispelled the darkness. He brought light to our lives and removed us from that darkness. Let's not go back and hide in the dark. We're people of the light. We're people reflecting the glory of God. We need to bring that sense of hope, that sense of light, that sense of direction so that those that are lost can see that there's hope. Verse 10 there in 1 Peter 2 says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Our identity before, we were just lost. But now we're children, sons and daughters of God. We have a place. We have a family that owns us, that, that claims us. Jesus says, I claim you. I claimed you so much before you even were mine. I was willing to die for you and shed my blood for you. That is amazing. He gave his all so that you and I can have his all. That's so rich. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, 
which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, among those that are outside the family of God. Are we living honorable? Or are we just fitting in? Or are we just being worldly? I'm not saying don't, 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 but you should be asking yourself, should I be doing? Is this bringing glory to God or is this choking out my witness? That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. They could even be saying stuff against you, but because of the way you live, the time will come Well, they, they will have to answer to God for themselves. And when the presence of God comes knocking on the door of their heart, maybe they'll, what we have said and what we have demonstrated will be the catalyst that causes them to be willing to receive him. That our hearts, our lives are rooted, that we are built up in him. You have to realize I'm having to edit a lot of this because I have way too much because that's the way I do sermons. But you see, he wants us also to know who he is. When we know that we're in him and who he is, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He does not change. He's a healer then. He's a healer now. He's a deliverer then. He's a deliverer now. All those things and who he is he still will do that today. Greater is he that's in us than what, who is in the world. What the, the enemy, the devil will try and do all kinds of things. The demons will try and cause us to be upset, to get us angry about all sorts of nonsense. But we can still have joy. We can still have peace. We can still be standing strong today no matter what is thrown at us. that we ourselves will be continuing to strengthen ourselves in what we believe, in our faith. That we allow the Holy Spirit, we saying that Spirit come. You know, the, Romans 8 tells us this. He says, if, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. That the very life of God, the power that raised Christ from the dead and renewed him to, to physical life is the same power that dwells in each and every one of us as believers. That if we allow that to become and realizing in Christ, that is in me. I don't have to try and carry this all on my own. There's too many people trying to be superheroes. And they're failing at it. Because, and then they get frustrated and say, well, God's not true but you're not allowing him to flow through you. You're not even asking him for direction. You're saying, God, I'm doing this, and I want you to bless it. And God's saying, I don't want you to do it. Ever thought about that? Maybe sometimes. I know, that kind of ouches a little bit. I've lived there. 
But you see, he wants to, that power of God in us, he wants us to bring hope. He wants us to bring life. He wants us to bring that delivering power to others. So with that, we know that we're in him. We know who he is. There's so much richness. As we go continue through Colossians, I want you to underline when you see in him, in Christ. Because it keeps coming back up. He keeps encouraging. This has been Paul's you know, mode of operandi all throughout the scriptures. He constantly was talking about who we are in Christ. As who, who, that Christ is in us and he's working through us. Matter of fact, Ephesians 4 says it this way. He says, I therefore, the, this verse 1 of Ephesians 4, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Well, see, not only do we need to know who we are as far as knowing our position, we also have to realize we have a purpose. We have a calling. Each and every one of us is called. He says that... It says, uh, worthy of the calling which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. God is giving us the grace we need, but we are all, we're one body. This one body goes around the world. There are millions of the body meeting right now around the world in homes, in bus stations, in buildings like this. The body of Christ is meeting, worshiping him. But when we leave this place, we're still the body of Christ. There's one God. There's one Savior. There's one Spirit. And we need to be operating and living with that fullness, going into all the world and preaching that gospel. But we also need to be encouraging one another. When we see somebody that's going through a tough time, encouraging one another. That we... Go and we tell each other that, that we stir each other up for love and good works, as it says in Hebrews 10. And it, that we exhort one another. When you see somebody going through a tough time, help, you know, be a word that can help encourage them. Give them a, pray for them. If the Lord lays it on your heart, maybe you need to bake cookies for them. Amen, hallelujah. Or bake bread. Or take a dinner to them. Or just call them. I was thinking about you. What can I do? Listen to the leading of the Spirit, encouraging one another that we are knit together in love. There is so much division in the world. All it takes is to watch the news, listen to the debates, read the Facebook feeds. Somebody says something kind to somebody and somebody else has 15 negative things to say to that same person. What? But what about the body of Christ? Are we knit together in love? Or do we want to just be right? Or just have our way? First Peter 
3, verse 8 and 9 says, Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. You see, as we start realizing, we've, we've got to put practice to what we say we believe. 1 John 3 says it this way, verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our purpose is to walk out love for one another. Because if the, the world doesn't see the church loving one another, how can they believe our God is a God of love? If we just co constantly are tearing down and bickering and fighting and allowing petty things to come in, people don't believe that we serve a God of love. But you see, when we start realizing who we are serving, that we're in Christ. We start operating in love for one another, encouraging one another. We're learning who God is and how much he loves, not just us, he loves all mankind and wants all to come to know him. And we're, how do we find those things out? By spending time in his word, spending time in his presence so that we can be filled with those things. Not just in our head, but that we let those things settle in our heart so that it just flows through us. That we recognize the voice of the spirit because we've been in what, what he's already said. And he won't contradict what the word of God says. But see, if we don't know whose we are and what it means to be in him then if, we're not, if, if we don't also know that we are supposed to be having that message of hope and deliverance and encouragement to one another, that we might not be prepared to recognize when deception comes. There were two verses in there that he talked about, that there could be people that are coming with, well, let's, I'm just going to read them. It says, Lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to basic principles of the world, not according to Christ. You know, there's a lot of people that you're seeing that are struggling in their walk with God because they're hearing a lot of deceptive words. Because they don't spend time hearing what the word of God says. God doesn't change his mind. Oops, he says there's one way to the Father, through Christ. Anyone who calls, it doesn't say if you go back and you follow all these principles and you live this certain way and you do the Jewish customs. and you, There's nothing wrong with going back and looking at those things and, and, and seeing them reflected in Christ. But we're not saved by following the Old Testament. We're saved by what Christ did on the cross. But you see what started happening in this church, there were groups that were rising up and trying to add all sorts of legalism, all sorts of other things, saying you're not truly saved unless you do this, 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 and this. And it was, and Jesus was sometimes not even included in their list of what they were saying. Kind of scary, isn't it? 
But you see, the scripture also tells you and I, in 1 Peter 3, he says, uh, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Oh, praise God, hallelujah, amen. Not, not one of those verses we all are excited about, right? It says, but, and do not be afraid of their, their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Are we prepared to give the reason? It's Jesus. It's Christ and him crucified. His love that he loved me while I was still a sinner. He loves them while they're still sinners. He says, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Verse 17, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for good than for doing evil. But we gotta be prepared. There are people that are gonna come with agendas to try and knock us off of following Christ because they've given up. You know, they've taken the idea, since I gave up hope, I feel a lot better. They live deceived. And they want to deceive others because they can't stand when other people have joy and peace when they are already in themselves knotted up in fear and angst and all the other things. One of the things that's interesting, this was addressed to two churches, remember? Colossae, Laodicea. This was A.D. 60, give or take a year. A.D. 90, there was a letter that Jesus said in his revelation to that church. They were lukewarm. They weren't hot. They weren't cold. They weren't putting into practice these things. They had fallen away from the things and just were kind of existing as a church. Not on fire, not really cold, just kind of eh. fitting in, blending. How about us? Are we stoking the fires with our relationship with Christ? Are we filled with the love that when Jesus, the night when he was in the garden, and he looked out over Jerusalem and wept, and he was and his comments with, there are people, that, that these are sheep without a shepherd. They don't even realize the danger they're in. Do we weep when we see people that are lost? False teaching will come in in many ways. Sometimes it might even start to sound like a good sermon, and then you start getting into it, and it doesn't match what the Word says. Always, always, always Go back and look up how does it line up with the scripture. If it doesn't match, don't accept it. Just because every group in, you know, is, is publicizing, oh, this is so great, this is new revelation. If it doesn't line up with the revelation that's already been given, it's not new, it's deception. That wasn't in my notes, but you can put that in there anyway. I got to wind this up a little bit. <laughs> but you see, if we don't be people that we practice, if we don't know who we are, it's a lot easier for when the 
the word has been sown, if it's not rooted and deep into our hearts, that the, the birds can come and snatch it away. If it's not deep in deep soil, it can dry up and go away. Or we can have the thorns and the concerns of this world start choking out the very thing God's trying to birth in us. But if we allow the word of God to come deeply in us, we can start seeing those things beginning to bring forth harvest. The, the, said that the sower, when he had sowed the word, that it brought 30, 60, 100-fold return. How about you and I? Are we going to, you know, are we living that out? Because he t t really encouraged the church. Kind of going back there in verses 6 and 7, he says, As you've received Christ, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You know, we want to persevere in our faith. Not just profess it once, but we persevere. We see it through to the end of our days. Whether that's tomorrow or that's 30 years from now or 100 years from now, if you're really young. Uh, I don't want to be here 100 years from now. That means I'd be 150 some years old. Yuck. Anyway, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> but you look at this, persevering, finishing it. Revelations 2 says, in verse 25, it says, but hold fast what you have till I come. He who overcomes and keeps my words unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations. You know, it's interesting, all those churches that Jesus sent the letters to in Revelation said one thing. He who has an ear, let him hear. Let's take the Q-tips to our spiritual ears and start opening it up so that we hear the voice of God. That we're putting these things to practice. Hebrews 12 is, you know, always a favorite of mine. I, I probably have said it here too, but he says, uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. Have you ever been in a race and you hit that point where you're not sure you could take much more? I remember football practice that when coaches were having you run and you're just like, if I go any further, I'm gonna hurl. Sometimes you hurl and then the coach goes, okay, keep on going. Why? You had to break through sometimes because your body needed to, to get stronger in that area. But you know, let's run with endurance that the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, looking into who Jesus is, that as we see him, we start seeing him at work in us and what he wants, and we start hearing his voice so that we have something to say to the people around us. Looking to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. So, as a believer, we need to know our position in Christ so that we can fulfill our purpose that he is destined for us. But we must be prepared to recognize when deception comes that it's not what God wants for us. And we persevere in our faith until he comes. Position, 
purpose, prepared, perseverance. You know, as I just am wrapping this up, I encourage you, go back, reread this passage, kind of think about those things, and ask your questions of yourself. Where am I in that walk with God? Do I allow him to be fully in me? Do I recognize him in everyday activity at, at work, at play, Christmas shopping, driving Westnage? <laughs> are, we are we an example of Christ in us? Do I recognize the purpose that he has for me? What's your purpose? Who's relying on you to be Jesus with skin on? You know, in Revelations 3, that same church in Laodicea, Jesus had this. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. He is constantly seeing. Will you let me in? Can I come in? Can I be a part of you in your everyday life? Can I come to work with you today? Can I come to the bank with you? go to school with you wherever we're going he's constantly knocking can I be welcomed with you Christ in us Lord we just come to you right now we want what you have for us we want you living in us daily we want you in this church body reflecting the glory of God, being light in the darkness, a city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Lord, may we see you for who you are and what you want to be in us and through us. Lord, may we open up our life so that you can flow through us wherever our feet may go. In 